You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Thursday the 19th of August and we are basking in the glow of a truly spectacular performance from Mishriff in yesterday's Judmont International on day one of the Welcome to Yorkshire Ebor Festival. A little later in this podcast I'll be talking to Mishriff's owner Prince Faisal about what unique pleasure victory in the Judmont International gave him and why. But first of all, Lydia Hislop joins me in the cold light of day, Lydia, when you've had a night to sleep on it. What did you make of Mishra's performance, after which he was being described as the best horse in the world? I thought it was uh, the performance of a world-class Group 1 horse who really stamped his authority on a substantial field. Yes, I, uh, I think Love markedly underperformed, but I think there were good horses in behind. I think Alan Kerr ran really well in second, shaping like he wants to, to step back up to a mile and a half. William Hack is saying afterwards that he thinks he's earned a berth uh, in the arc. And I think that's right, because he looked like dropping away at one point and actually he knuckled down to finish second to put up a, a career best performance. Um, I think his stable companion, funny enough, it shapes like he wants dropping to a mile, Mahafath. Um, but the winner, Mishra, was just very good. Six lengths clear and you know, fully authoritative. And it's the kind of it's the kind of performance that you felt that he would probably put together. And I think all of the circumstances, the sand surface, the track, the trip, I think was very important. Um, to, he put together that, that, that world-class Group 1 performance on home soil, which he'd shaped that way in the King George when looking as though a mile and a half stretched him and he just looked a bit rusty, didn't he, in the Eclipse, when at one point, you know, laying down a question to St Mark's Basilica, and it's a shame, as David Egan said afterwards in an interview, that we didn't actually get to see the two of them clash with Mishriff at the top of his game as well. So he wasn't at the top of his game in the Eclipse. He most certainly was in the Judmont International. Is it the case that there was no other horse in the race that was perfectly suited by the race setup yesterday? I don't know. I think Love underperformed. I'm beginning to think that she might not have trained on. Um, she's clearly posting a high level of form. Uh, it's not a criticise of criticism of the of the Phillies in her whole career because she was quite brilliant last season. But she hasn't elevated her form now that she's having to um, give weight away to to younger horses. She hasn't quite elevated her form in, in the way that I think many of us expected her to this season. And her head carriage, I mean although you could see it last year in the closing stages of the Yorkshire Oaks, she was holding her head quite awkwardly from an early stage in the international yesterday, and she also missed a beat, missed the break at the start. I was expecting her, Ryan Moore, to try and dictate things and, and make sure that it was a, a good test of stamina at an extended 10 furlongs. But just the way love went, I don't think he was ever able to do anything much with her. And she, you know, she stuck on doubtily, but she hasn't yet shown this season the brilliance that she appeared to have last season. So a few questions. The first is, if Mishriff was yours, what would you do for the rest of the year? I'd go to the Irish Champion Stakes, which is exactly what John Gosden isn't doing. Um, he, was <laughs> he was mentioning four races afterwards. So he, he mentioned 
the arc, I just don't think he's at his best at over a mile and a half. And there is the risk of, of cutting the ground. Um, again, a, a greater risk potentially on recent form of cutting the ground at the Champion Six, which is another race that John mentioned. And I, I can't see, um, unless we have a, 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 a dry autumn, I can't see a Mishrif turning up there. I can, I can almost already hear John Gosden talking about what the ground on the round course might be like, uh, whichever course they race on. Um, so then I, I thought the more interesting targets were America um, for the Breeders' Cup turf. Yeah. Um, John seemed to be suggesting uh, rather than the Classic, which, you know, I would have thought that the Classic was an open option. And the Japan Cup, it was the last two options that seemed to me to be more likely to be up Mishrift Street. So uh, we might not see him again in Britain. So this Breeders' Cup dilemma as to whether to run on the turf or the dirt is an interesting one. He's made correctly the point that the dirt at somewhere like Del Mar is very different to the dirt in Saudi Arabia. But the Saudi Arabia surface is still dirt and it is still 10 yeah. furlongs. And the race has got much more money and much more prestige. I don't see that there's anything to lose by running in the Breeders' Cup Classic myself. You don't think it would sort of undermine his, a, a defeat or a heavy defeat might undermine his, uh, his billing at the moment, which is a, a horse that is incredibly versatile, that is capable on turf and capable on dirt. You think that the, the Breeders, wouldn't the Breeders' Cup Classic be a, a much more thorough examination of that assertion? Maybe, maybe you're right, and maybe that's what he's thinking. Uh, I'm, I'm minded to go back to 2003 and the decision, say, to run Oasis Dream in the mile on turf rather than the sprint on dirt on the basis that the surface was more suitable for him, but it was still a mile and he still didn't stay. If the horse's optimum distance is a mile and a quarter, which we accept that it is, and that he's got form on dirt and the race has got much more pressure, how much more does he need to do to, to, to not be worried about denting his reputation? You know, Galileo was beaten in the Breeders' Cup Classic. It didn't seem to do much to dent his reputation and many well, other sides. Well, I, I'm not... I, I feel that, that campaigning should be more, more daring and, uh, and I, 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 you know, I don't feel that... I think we, we get a completely... The, the, an unbeaten horse gets almost fetishised, I think, by, by, um, by horse racing. I think it is much more interesting and a much more thorough examination of your worth as a potential stallion, if you have shown yourself to try a variety of things and you know, run run exceptionally well or very very well in different circumstances, I mean that that to me is a much more substantial advertisement than a horse whose career has been carefully stage managed. Now I wouldn't say that um, Mishra's career has been carefully stage managed. Oh, I mean, far he from has, it, yeah. Has, yeah, he has faced a, a load of different tests and, and done so absolutely admirably. But, but you take my point. I think it'd be great to have a go at the Classic, but also sh surely um, a two-turn, how many, how many, sorry, it was a two-turn mile, is it? How many turns in a turf on, on the, in the Breeders' Cup? Or, in this particular three. Breeders' Cup? It's got to be three, three hasn't it? Three, right, okay. So um, I, a three-turn <laughs> Breeders' Cup turf, you can see why uh, that would be... Uh, also, I mean, my my perception of it, and you go out to America much more often, is that uh, over that in those kind of circumstances, a horse that might be in Europe at their very best over ten furlongs, provided they stay that ten furlongs very well, is actually perfectly suited by a mile and a half test in those kind of circumstances in America. Now, uh, you can shoot me down. I I wouldn't I wouldn't shoot you down. I think he would get the mile and a half at Del Mar on turf fine i think he would be a massive player in the race it's just a question of whether you 
roll the big dice. <laughs> um, well, I mean, as uh, John Dawson famously himself said after the percussionist won the Lingfield Derby trial, why wouldn't you uh, roll the big dice? There you go. So that's a high-class problem to have. Just a couple of interesting bits to pick out of the story yesterday. First of all, the Gosdens themselves winning the race. Has Gosden put himself and Thady in the hunt for the Trainers' Championship? Definitely, definitely. Uh, Jane was saying um, on the podcast earlier in the week that it's a, a big week for Andrew Balding, and I think it was. And he clearly had a, a daring go at the international stakes, didn't he, with alcohol-free, which didn't come off. She didn't appear to stay. She couldn't ever quite get herself on terms, although she was trying mightily. Again, her reputation undiminished by that, I think. And I, I'm, I'm really pleased that um, Andrew Boarding and Jeff Smith decided to have a go. I think her presence really added to the international yesterday, even though it didn't quite roll their way. They've got impo- uh, Andrew Boarding's got important runners for the rest of the week. But yes, uh, clearly, uh, that success in terms of the trainers' championship from John and Thady Gosden, very significant indeed. And what about David Egan, somebody that you first encountered some time ago? Yes, I did. I did. It's funny enough, I was um, going to the British Racing School where I am a trustee and I also do a, a bit of, of media training for, for young jockeys. And uh, John was there with David, a very, very young David, and clearly, uh, you know, very um, solicitous and, and seeking to, to get David off on the right foot possible. And David was having a, a, a great time at the racing school and John was just sort of, um, just hoping that, you know, this was going to be a really good start to his career. And I was just struck by um, how, uh, how interested and engaged and wanting uh, things to go well and, you know, wanting to give whatever guidance he possibly could to his son, John was at the time. And I note that what um, David was saying yesterday about, you know, being, winning a group one on home soil, being such a significant part of his career, you know, it, it's his most significant success to date, I think, um, even though clearly, you know, he won a lot of money winning the Saudi Cup and it would have been a significant moment at, at that time. I think winning the international, which is one, well, well, last year was the world's best race and, you know, might might be up there again, usually is in the top 10 around the world, is such a significant moment. And he was talking about uh, coming back after winning in Saudi and seeing his dad's face. And yesterday he was talking about seeing so many familiar faces around. So I think it's, I think it's a, a great story. I think it was quite clear from an early stage that John thought his son had got a lot of talent and uh, clearly David has. So finally, before we tidy this up, just how good is Mishrif? The, the general feeling yesterday was that this might be the best horse in the world. Is that, over, is that overdoing it? Is that hyperbole? Hmm. I'd like to see him against St. Mark's Basilica again, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd quite like to see him against the Dea again. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I mean, I wonder whether a Dea, um, a matchup between a Dea and Mishriff would ever see both of them in their absolute ideal circumstances, whereas I don't think you can argue that about Mishriff and St. Mark's Basilica. So I think that might be the uh, matchup that if you, had a, a, if you had a clash between those two, is it going to happen? I don't think it is, is it? Is it going to happen? Unlikely, isn't it? Because Sir Mark's Basilica, if he recovers from his ailment, will probably go to the Irish Champion Stakes. Mishriff won't go there. So the likelihood of the meeting is pretty slim, I would have thought. 
sadly, I think the same thing yesterday, unfortunately, was the moment. But, you know, hypothetically, were the two of them to, to clash and one of them come definitively out on top, that would be the best horse in the world. Um, Adar is going to have to uh, prove what he can prove in races such as, such as the Ark. But Mishrif has just laid down a, a very strong card with a clearly, comfortably career best performance. And on that point, it should be noted that the two Gosden stars, the older horses, have done their bit this week, Palace Pier and Mishrif, when he hasn't really got much to cheer about in the three and two-year-old division yet. No, seemingly not yet. I mean, I've, I've, I've been thinking that as well as I've been sort of preparing the two and three-year-old races this season. There's no obvious, you know, next generation just yet, is there? Um, you know, it's to, it tends to be towards the back end of the of the two-year-old season, you know, unless he's got a very, very speedy sort that we tend to see his two-year-olds and and see how how, how deep the yard the yard is. But yeah, absolutely. I mean they, he is very much relying on the likes of Palace Pier and Mishrif. And that's partly why maybe that um Andrew Balding, because it is is laying down such a strong challenge because he has got so many he doesn't have the two these two brilliant horses he's got an exceptional filly and alcohol hole free but and he's got Sandrine running today in the lather um, but he's maybe got the the breadth of uh, top class horses or high class horses whereas um, John Gostin is relying on his uh, two older stalwarts it was a splendid performance one person sadly not there to witness it yesterday was the horse's owner, Prince Faisal, also the horse's breeder. This is a, a sixth-generation pedigree, and it was a signature performance. Uh, Prince Faisal, thanks for talking to me. Just explain why a victory in this particular race was important to you. Well, it was, it was a target from the beginning. I mean, since before last summer, really. Uh... I talked to John, and I told him that race would mean more to me than any other race in, in Europe. And it's an amazing thing what he's done now. I mean, going all over the place and doing all over the services and coming up and winning it so impressively. Uh, but it is, I mean, Prince Harris was, well, he's a cousin of mine, and he was one of my best friends for as long as I owned horses. That's why the Judd Monkey meant more to me than any other race. Uh, I, I and many others knew Prince Khaled only by name and perhaps to exchange a few words with. You were related to him. He was a personal friend of yours. Tell me, tell me from your perspective a little about his own love for racing and what he racing meant it. to him. He loved it. I mean, he's got a small office right there that every time I go to his house we go in there and he's watching racing on television the whole time. He's not a man of many words but when he says them you find something in them. Uh, is I mean it's silly of him. A man with his empire of horses. Every horse I run even a maiden, he sat there and watches and come, and when we came, we talked about it. It's amazing he had the time. It's it's a it's a lovely thing to hear. Uh, clearly, John Gosden got the horse absolutely spot on on the given day yesterday. He is amazing. I think I mean it's going to be crazy to say this, 
But I think there's still more improvement now. Now he's in the condition to race. Now, where the hell he's going to race him, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) And I will not argue. Actually, I'm coming to England tomorrow, or the day after, and I'm just going to go there and listen to what he wants today and say, yes, sir. <laughs> so you're, you're leaving the ball entirely in John Gosden's court. You've had your say now. He's always been. I mean, he's, he's the man who was with the horse. I mean, it's silly for me to go two months away and then come back and say, do this. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, horses have never been a social occasion for me. So I'm... I'm 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 going to be a little bit mischievous, Prince Faisal, and say you you've you've had so much from this horse. But if you had the, if you had the wish list now to round off his career, what what races would be highest on the agenda? We've been talking about whether he could go Breeders' Cup Turf or Breeders' Cup Classic, and John mentioned the Japan Cup. What what sort of? I'd be happy with anything now. <laughs> He's done what I wanted. Whatever will be, will be. So no, no, no preference. Well, I'd like to win them all in one day, but it's not going to happen. So uh, it's completely up to John, and there are other factors that we can't control, like the weather, like uh, all of those things. Exactly that. Now. What what is the horse's stud career looking like now? Have you got a plan? Is he have you got someone to stand him? Will he definitely retire at the end of this season? Uh, I well, I'd love to see him stand where I can go to him because I think he's going to be a great sire. I mean, his family has been producing sires like 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 crazy. Mm. Like crazy. Mm. It comes from a good family, like a sounds originally. So, I mean, what else to look for? He's a beautiful horse to look at. He's got a fantastic cruising speed and turn of foot. And he seems to be ridiculously versatile. I've never seen any horse do this. He can run 10 furlongs, 12 furlongs, 9 furlongs, grass, soft, firm. I don't know. I haven't seen anything like it. Um, will he stand in the UK as a, as a stallion? I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it. They're, they're great. They're a great breeders in the world. They're big farms. Whoever comes up, he will not go somewhere where he will not be supported as well. But there, I mean, there are a lot of them in England and in Ireland and in Japan and everywhere. So it depends who wants him more. <laughs> but will he stay? Will he stay yours? You're not going to sell him. And, uh, well, I mean, you can't expect a big farm or a big, not to own something. No, I'd, I'd be happy to keep a smaller share in him. I'd be happy to keep a smaller share with him. I, I'd love to breed to him. 
Well, I think now is the time to to restock, get plenty of little Mishrifts running around, and uh, the game will be all the, the game will be all the better for it. Uh, 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 I, I think he's not running Mishrifts. I think, but I have to listen to John first. If John says no, I want to run him, he will run. But I'm coming especially just to talk to John and see what he thinks. Well, I have great respect for the man and his knowledge. These are these are wonderful high class problems to have, Prince Faisal. Thanks so much for your time again. Um, I really appreciate it. it. It's problems. That's a, that's the key word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there might be nice choices, but problem. I mean, make, make your head blow up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Thank you very much, Mr. Luck, for the interest. Not at all. Thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you very, very much. Talking of today, it's the Dully Yorkshire Oaks, and Snowfall is a horse who probably ought to have had more column inches than she has, really, given how far she's won her two classics by. She faces wonderful tonight. Podcast favourite David Menuisier has just sent me this when I said to him, are you definitely running? Bear in mind, she has never run on ground faster than good, and it will be faster than good today. Morning, Nick. The filly has to run because otherwise she'll be too fresh. And same as I said the other day, the ground um, is quick, but there's a good coverage of grass, good cover of grass, and what have you. So, so I'm I'm hopeful that she will handle it. If she doesn't, uh, William will look after. So, is there a possibility, Lydia, actually, that the ground won't be ideal for either of the principals? I think so. I think there is a possibility. I was su surprised um, about how quick the ground was when I went and walked it before racing yesterday. It's got a beautiful covering of, of grass. It's in really good nick. But uh, to me, it walked to, uh, to be faster than good. And I think that that's how it panned out as well. Um, yeah, I think there is a possibility that neither of them are going to be advantaged. But you have to... You have to give it a go with Wonderful Tonight at some point uh, because you don't know it. You don't know that she's not going to handle it. And this is going to be the best track to try it because it's a, a flat, fair track. Galloping is not at all tricksy. It's not going to put you know extra pressure um, on her if she doesn't like the ground as a downhill track would. And, and Snowfall, absolutely. I mean, she has got to, to prove herself as well. Uh, she have obviously has got the, in terms of the ground, I mean, in these particular circumstances, she's got the weight for age advantage. That puts her, her slightly ahead, you, you might think. But Wonderful Tonight has looked very good this season. It's just that it's just that Snowfall has looked so very good in, in, in particularly at Epsom, where other horses clearly could not handle it. It does make you wonder whether she too might be at her best with some cutting the ground. So we might, as you've started off with, we might not see either of them in their absolutely ideal circumstances. It's a fascinating race, I think. And what about yesterday at York and just the, the atmosphere and soaking up York at its finest? Well, it was, I think, I chatted with you about this before. I think York was one of the tracks that absolutely most missed having a crowd. And one of the reasons for that is that the crowd that comes to York, and particularly those people who gather around the paddock, the parade ring, are so engaged with the racing. And you know, you, you know how various sports say, oh, we're a knowledgeable crowd. It is a knowledgeable crowd at York, it just is. And so you, you, that's that sense of connection between the people who have come racing and gather around the paddock, the horses, and the actual sport itself is tangible, of course. And that's why I think 
the crowds, the people being there was so much missed, particularly there. So it was great to have people back yesterday and to actually feel like it was a proper race day again. It's interesting you mentioned that because when I walked into York yesterday, I was accosted would be too strong a word, but I was confronted by a gentleman who was complaining about general standards of behavior on race courses and people going racing who weren't really engaged in what the, the race course was offering. That couldn't be said yesterday or indeed, and I don't think it will be the case this week. No, I mean, it can, it, it, it can be a, a different feel sometimes on a Saturday, uh, but certainly a, a race like the, inter, a day where it has the international stakes, that is a day for purists, isn't it, in many ways? People come along who absolutely appreciate horse racing. They've got a treat in seeing Mishrif, as they have seen so many other horses, so many great horses um, win that race in the past. Or even get beaten in that race in the past if you're thinking about Brigadier Gerard. But that is the that is the race that draws the absolute racing fan, the person who is engaged in the sport day in, day out, who has over many, many years, who's got a real affinity for it, and you felt it yesterday. Well, it was, as we've been saying, truly a delight yesterday to see so many people on the Knavesmire, and that crowd will only swell as the week progresses towards Saturday, which is music to the ears of George Durdy, who's the official milliner to York Racecourse. Uh, George, it's, it's been a pretty tough 18 months for anyone in the, in the fashion industry, and I don't suppose you're any exception. How much pleasure did yesterday give you? Oh, it was so nice to be back. Um, it was really nice to see people having fun and getting dressed up again, because, yeah, it has been hard, and... Uh, I had twins in lockdown as well, so doubly hard for me, I suppose. Um, but no, it's been great to see so many people getting dressed up and everything. So you gave birth to twins during lockdown, but you're back. You're back in business now. Oh, we, I spoke to uh, Lisa Tan during Royal Ascot, and I know Lisa's a, a huge fan of the show. And she was saying the difficulty for her at Ascot this year was that people were doing great things, creative things, but there was a lot of recycling going on and, and not much opportunity to really create. Is the is the yeah. t- is the tide turning? I think um, yes, I would say so. I think uh, a lot of people are wearing, don't know what to wear, and they're wearing the same things or recycling, like Lisa said. Um, I do think I have, um, well, I suppose more for the wedding industry. I've been making quite a lot of hats um, for that rather than the races. But a lot of people actually yesterday were making their own, so that was quite interesting as well. Uh, now that's not what you want. You want them to be to be wearing your hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely want them to be wearing mine. <laughs> so, what does your role as official milliner to York Racecourse entail? So this week, I'm basically classed as head judge um, over four days um, for the best. Well, I've changed the category. So for the most stylish race goer and runner up. Best hat, best child, best dressed child, and best most stylish couple. Um, so I just oversee it, I suppose, with um, a couple of other judges that I have, and we all work together to see what we think is the best, what the most stylish people out there. Um, I normally have a hat stand here as well, uh, but unfortunately, because of the girls, I've decided this year and with Kate, it's just easier just to concentrate on myself and be the best at that rather than trying to, to split myself in so many ways. And what did you make of the overall style of the race girls yesterday? Um, there was all sorts. There was all sorts um, yesterday. I think um, people were just like really f- into the feminine kind of dresses, um, pairing it with uh, headbands and headpieces. Um, 
it, it was just, there was just a big mix of every, everything really um i think today is going to be different i think more people will probably make more of an effort to make sure that they're dressed head to toe and everything um there was a few people that didn't actually have uh, headpieces on as well yesterday so i think yeah there'll just be hopefully a good mix of a variety but it's it's no hat, no prize, yeah. Today you've got you've got to, you've got to be hatted. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely got to have a hat on. Well, there were big fields at York yesterday and again today, which is uh, great news for for those who who bet into the world pool. Jamie Hart's with us again. Jamie, how did it go yesterday? Yeah, it was big yesterday. We had to, uh, we had one race that was less than seven runners, so obviously there isn't a, a swinger there, which is the biggest field. So we always like with the King George, we have a little bit less there, but it tends to average, other than that, about two and a half million pounds per race going into the World Pool. And the biggest race yesterday, which would surprise most people, given that, you know, it's mostly kind of Hong Kong Far East money that's come in with the the, uh, big t- the two mile handicap, with three and a half million being bet into that. So that was, the, and the next one, next one after that was 2.9. So something about, something about two, two mile handicaps is clearly kind of getting the interest of the Far East. It's extraordinary, isn't it, given the fact that it's the the race that is most alien to every other nation, really. Exactly. I mean, they, they haven't had thoughts to do Cheltenham in the, as a world pool because they thought that Cheltenham and jumps racing might not see that kind of market. But given that we see these kind of things where we do throw up three and a half million pound races for two mile handicaps when half of them could be seen at Cheltenham potentially, I think we might have to rethink that. Uh, I mean, are you being flippant or, or serious there? I think mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, at the, time, the trouble is it's right in the middle of the Hong Kong meet, the Hong Kong season, so I think that's why we wouldn't lose it. But it, I think it's worth revisiting because it's kind of been written off before. But uh, anyway, we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to check the Hong Kong Jockey Club about it. Okay, what are the key points of interest today? Key points today, we've got some decent fields. I think there'll be uh, the the big one is Snowfall. Really, it's just how short she can go on a world pool. She looks unbeatable. She's got deep impact in a line there as the sire. So there'll be kind of the Japanese interest as well. Everybody in the Far East loves deep impact also. They're even watching it in Japan this year. Uh, so I think that could be very, very short. Um, and then it'll be interesting to play the exotics. If Snowfall doesn't turn up, there'll be some massive payouts on the others. And then yesterday we had, again, two overbroke races uh, because of the guarantees and the whirlpool mixing together. So you'll, you could bet at 98% and 97% in two of the races yesterday, and I'm sure we'll have that again today. I'm not sure which race it will be, but when they get behind one, I think Snowfall will be too short anyway to create a an over an overbroke market. But it's well worth looking. Well, that's what people should do throughout the afternoon: is keep an eye on the fixed odds market, but do keep an eye on the whirlpool market because there will be some that pay massively over on the whirlpool market. So you have to play both. So Lydia's still with me and has a tip for you for I don't know when really could be today, could be tomorrow, or soon, and for the rest of your life. It's Saturday. It's in the Melrose. It's a little race called the Melrose. I should have. I should have guessed. <laughs> I don't think um, it's. I don't think it's as good a Melrose as it could be. Just a, oh, wash oh. your mouth out with soap. Come on, get out of town. It's a good Melrose. All right, it's a great Melrose. What's going to win? <laughs> Imperial Sun's going to win. It's a little horse called Imperial Sun. That's going to win. Uh, I think the step up and trip is really going to suit him. I also think a sound surface will suit him. I didn't think he looked like he enjoyed um, some digging the ground at Nottingham at all. Uh, I think he's a much better horse uh, on this kind of ground. And I think he is bred for the trip. So it, it is Imperial Sun in the 225 at York on Saturday. Imperial Sun in the Melrose on Saturday. That was um, Thursday. We will see you again tomorrow. Bye bye.
you've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.